I am hosting a retreat in Tulum, Mexico, in paradise this October called Bloom in Tulum. It's a five-day, all-inclusive, personal and professional growth retreat for ambitious, big-hearted women who are ready to step into their power with grace, support, and confidence. So my two biz besties and I dreamed up this magical retreat over sushi a few months back, and after lots of planning, it's actually happening. We have mapped out a thoughtful itinerary with lots of downtime to make the most of this beautiful paradise beachside location and also set you up for a powerful and memorable experience of growth. There's only 20 spots available and all three of us are promoting it to our full community. So that's like over 50,000 people. So I imagine the spots will fill very quickly. If you are interested in joining us in Bloom and Tulum, go to bloomintulum.com for all the details and to complete your application. Also know that early bird pricing ends on June 30th. So it's a really good time to secure your spot and save some money. I mean, honestly, like how fun would it be to hang out in person at a gorgeous, luxurious, all-inclusive in October? So head to Bloom in Tulum. That's B-L-O-O-M in Tulum. T-U-L-U-M. Bloomintulum.com for all the details and complete your application. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast where you can be a nice where you can learn to be a nice, awesome mom. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 159. Today we're talking about how to talk to kids about sexuality with Amy Lang. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clarkfield's Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful moms stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the author of the upcoming new book, Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting. Welcome and welcome back. I'm so glad you're here today. This is a really valuable, valuable conversation and it's so, so needed. So I'm so excited to finally have some, this is part of a sexuality series. We're going to be having some experts on to talk about sexuality with kids, with us, all that stuff. It's really desperately needed, right? So we need to talk about these these issues, right? But how do we do it? How do we talk to kids about their bodies and sex? It's so important, but as you're going to learn, not just for their emotional well-being, but for their safety. So today I'm so excited to bring on Amy Lang. And since 2005, she has helped thousands of parents learn how to talk with their children about sexuality, love, and relationships. And she takes the sting out of the birds and bees talks. So I'm so excited for you to join me at the table as I talk to Amy, and you're going to hear tons of great resources that you have on your bookshelf that you're just going to have to go out and get. They're awesome. And also some other important takeaways that I, I hope you'll get from this conversation are that it's really important that we don't avoid talking to kids about their bodies and sex. This is our job. And we shouldn't actually be waiting until our child asks all the questions, and you'll hear about why, right? 
And one of the reasons you'll hear is that this is another big takeaway for me is that informed kids, they make better decisions and they're safer from abuse and other things like that. So how do we talk to kids about their bodies and sex? This is our conversation today. Join me at the table as I talk to Amy Lang. And before we dive in, I just want to thank a few people for their iTunes reviews. I want to thank Shannon Gingerelli. I want to thank Carolyn. Thank you so much for leaving the iTunes Apple Podcast reviews. That's a great, great way to support the podcast because of the algorithm that Apple has. It helps bring it out to more people and helps more people get these resources and things that they need to become calmer, happier parents. So let's share the love and leaving a review is a really awesome way to do that. And I feel they feel so good to read. It's amazing. So that's a great way to support the podcast. And another great way is to just share an episode on your Facebook wall or just send it text an episode to a friend. You can take your phone and take a screenshot and say, this is what I'm listening to. And you should check it out. Um, That's a wonderful way to share the love with the Mindful Mama podcast. And if you've been listening for a while or if you're a new listener, I would love it. It makes such a huge difference if you share the love like that. So that's all I want to say before we just dive right into this episode. Join me at the table as I talk to Amy Lang. Amy, I'm so glad you could come on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm super excited to help you all out with this really important and part of parenting that can also be fun. I can't believe I haven't talked to anyone about sexuality for kids yet because it's it's one of those things we so, so need to talk about. I was I was at a breakfast with someone who maybe it might be in a, a circle we met at the Biz Chicks conference. And she was telling me that her five-year-old was asking these questions and she it was felt so embarrassed and shocked that her five-year-old asked like these questions. And I said, well, you know, like it's, it's normal. It's like she thought there was something wrong with her kid. And I was like, no, it's totally normal that kids are going to be curious about the stuff and stuff like that. And, and I realized, oh my God, I need to talk to, I need to talk to someone. I need to talk to Amy from Birds and Bees for kids. Yes. And you know, that moment with a five-year-old that's super curious is, I think the reason she was so unsettled is because most of us, you know, think about sex ed happening in fifth grade in school. And that should be like the time to launch the conversations. And maybe in 1976 and 82, that might've worked. And, you know, the world's a really, really different place than it was when, you know, I certainly when I was growing up and even for parents who are in their late twenties, early thirties, even for you, it's different. Yeah. 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 It is different. And I mean, I guess, I guess for me, I was like, I grew up with the great book. I don't know if you know this, Amy. I don't gonna, I'm going to ask you some more questions of the kids, but like, have you ever heard of the book? Have you ever seen the book, Where Do I Come From? Of course. That's the book I learned on. You got that book too. That's yes, the best book, the little sperm on the inside cover and the one with the top hat. Yes. Oh my God. That was the best book. I like read that so much. I have it now for my girls and we read, we still read it, even though like some of the terminology isn't so great, but I love the like cartoon, like frumpy mom and dad who are like, there's the way they explain it. It's so beautiful. They're like, they're hugging and and they want to get as close as possible. I, I just, I always thought it was so, so wonderful. Those I love books that you are, that book. 
They're great. And it's definitely on my list of recommend books, but I had, there are better books now. Those were written in the 70s, little known fact. Peter Mayle, the guy that wrote them, he's the guy that did A Year in Provence. He wrote that book. He got a start in sex and then he wrote that other book. That's hilarious. I know. Cracks me up. So, you know, he got famous for sex and then he got famous for Provence. That's Um, funny. I'm going to get the book recommendations from you later, but first I want to ask about you. How did you get started (laughs) teaching people how to talk to kids about sex? This has got to be a good story. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was 10, I knew, no, I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And when I was in my early 20s, I volunteered for a telephone hotline and we were doing abortion and birth control counseling over the phone and general pregnancy counseling. And I totally fell in love. And what I loved was helping women with this incredibly sometimes difficult decision. And then educating them like, okay, you got pregnant, not on purpose. So let's talk about how maybe you can not do that another time. And I, that led me to, I ran the program and then that led me to doing just general sexual health education. And then I worked for Planned Parenthood and along the way I got a master's degree and my focus was in adult education and uh, group facilitation. And I had a baby and I thought I was going to be an amazing sex talker. And one evening, Milo was getting ready for a bath and he points at his penis and he says, hey, mama. And I'm like, what? And he says, and I actually was thinking, oh God, don't tell me it feels good to touch your penis because I'm not going there. (laughs) (laughs) And I was also like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, you love this stuff. Here you go. So (laughs) I just looked at him and I said, what? And he said, I can see the veins in there where the blood goes. And I was like, excellent. Get in the bathtub. And because we talked about body parts, but we hadn't ever really gotten into big detail. And so that was my moment where I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) I can't, I don't know what to do here with my young kid. And then I, of course, like hopped on the interwebs and did some research and I couldn't find anything that really jived with my values and also was like, directed at younger children and like how to start the party and what that should look like. And so there were books and that kind of thing. I was like, oh, hey, wait a minute. I love to talk about sex. I love to work with adults. So I'll just figure this out and then teach adults how to talk about sex with their children, with their kids. So I did. And I do. <laughs> and that was in, when, when, did I, when did I start? 2005. So you went in and had those uncomfortable conversations. Was the first time you like kind of were like after you decided this and you kind of sat down with Milo, were you like deep breaths? Like, yeah. <laughs> totally. I'm like, I know this is the right thing. I know this is the right thing. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I know this is the right thing. And because all my research, what I looked at was the countries that do the best in terms of children's sexual health mm-hmm. outcomes. And mm-hmm. that's the Dutch they rock it and they start the conversations really, really early in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm going to be a little Netherlands. <laughs> We're going to be a little Netherlands. And so the first time I really laid it out for him, we actually read a book mm-hmm. and it's, you know, we're already reading in our families. Their kids are used to reading. And so here was this book and it was, it's called what's the big secret. Mm-hmm. And it, covers everything. I don't recommend books that don't include the penis going in the vagina and the usual, mm-hmm. and like the usual way babies are made mm-hmm. because I think frankly that's not handle, true. It's not true and kids can handle hearing that and yeah. you know that's not true for every family and mm-hmm. but it is pretty much the majority of the way that babies get made. 
Mm. And so I bucked up and read it and I was like, all right. And I'm watching him and he's like, okay. And jumped down and played Legos. And I was like, okay, so we're going to be okay here. And then, you know, I practice what I preach and Milo's 18 now. He was about five when I started and he hates talking about sex, of course. Right. But I have figured out how to like sneak the conversations into the, you know, just into his life. And now he's really well informed and he's much better about talking about stuff with me. But, you know, there was a time there where he was like, like someone would see me in the grocery store and they'd be like, Hey, Amy, I saw you speak. It's so nice to see you. And you like changed my life. And Milo just goes, Oh God. And goes zooming off away from me. (laughs) I can imagine. You can kind of hang around a little bit anyway. So yeah, that was like my own discomfort is what started this whole thing for me. So why is it so important that we, you know, I know that we need to kind of start the conversation sort of young and have, it's not like just one conversation, we're having multiple conversations, but, but why, why do we need to start these conversations young? Well, part of it is that if you start the conversations when your kids are four or five, they're always going to know how babies are made. So that won't be like a, oh, big reveal when they're 12 or 10 or whatever, Mm -hmm. because it sounds super gross to kids when you talk about penises and vaginas. So part of the reason to start early is so that you can build this relationship around sexuality. Another reason is that if you don't openly talk about this, they don't know that you are willing to talk about it. And, you know, this is your job. Like make, it's just like making sure your kids eat healthy food and get enough sleep. They really need to understand sexuality. The other reason is because of the way information is coming to kids, there's a lot more sex, sexual information. And it might not be your kiddo, but there might be a second grader on the playground that has seen pornography and then talks about what they've seen. And then your kid you know, has this idea and we don't want our kid, we certainly don't want you know, second graders under, knowing about this, but this is happening. And so, and younger and younger ages, everyone just needs to breathe a little <laughs> because I said the P word, right? <laughs> Sorry. So part of it is for their protection. And we know that kids who are well-informed from an early age, who know the correct names for their private body parts, who have open communication with their trustworthy, trustworthy caregivers and parents, they do better. They're safer from abuse. They are more likely to like be really clear about their boundaries. And then you know, they're less likely to fall for playground rumors like sex, you know, you can get pregnant, you can't get pregnant when you have sex standing up. Right? <laughs> Classic, yeah. right? Classic. And I think I can remember what playground I was on when yeah, I was like, right. just flashed me back to yeah. my roots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all heard that stuff. And most, and the other thing too, is like most of our parents didn't do this right. And they didn't do it well. And I personally believe that this is a fundamental part of being human. It's a fundamental thing that kids need to know about. It's about their health and safety. And, you know, we're sexual our whole lives. And, you know, why wouldn't you help your child have a comfortable, confident, you know, experience of learning about this? And then, you know, later, I figured out that the time for people to have sex for the first time is about 25, 26, (laughs) full brain development. Anyway, so we want our kids to wait, right? We want them to do it safely and we want them to feel really good and confident about their relationships and their choices. And, you know, we've tried it the other way forever, like waiting, and now it's time to switch gears and just get our kids really set up to be successful. 
We are supported by Melon Headwear. These hats are perfect for Father's Day. They are built to be in and around water. They last five times longer than any other hat. They're naturally antimicrobial properties. It doesn't, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains, no smell ever. It's built for the water. We tested it tubing on the Brandywine River and it was fabulous. It even floats when it drops in the water. It doesn't lose shape. It is amazing. An incredible, comfortable fit. Use code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, honestly, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melon.com, that's M-E-L-I-N.com, and use the code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. It is, I swear, the perfect Father's Day gift. Premium headwear, melon.com. Use the code mindful for 30% off. We are sponsored by Midi Health. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, vaginal dryness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. All of these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around perimenopause and menopause. And the experts at Midi Health understand what you're experiencing and how to help. Midi clinicians are menopause experts dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions. Midi care is covered by insurance, and with Midi Health, you can stop pushing through it all alone. Schedule a virtual visit to discuss your symptoms and health background in depth. You'll come out of the experience feeling heard and with a plan to start feeling better. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Joinmidi.com. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I from my point of view, it's like a normal, natural part of life. Like we're sexual human beings and, and so are our kids. And it's, if we're going, you know, they probably are curious about this part of their bodies and they want to know, of course, how how other humans got on this earth, right? So, you know, uh, it seems natural to to talk to them about it. So, so say you have like a three-year-old or four-year-old, like a preschooler. What does the conversation look like around that age? That's a really good question. So I just want to say one other thing about the younger kids. Like mm-hmm. when you talk about this with them, they don't know there's anything gross or embarrassing or shameful about it. So they're just like, okay, this is how babies made. This is how we make butter. It all has the same weight to them. <laughs> we know that the baby making thing is a little heavier, right? Than the butter thing. But if you put yourself in their mindset, they're just like, oh, here's another thing that I have to learn about. And, you know, okay, moving right along. So with littler kids, like three to like two, three, four, two, three-year-olds and even younger, they really aren't going to understand the mechanics of things. And it's okay to talk about this with a young, with a kid that age, it just goes right over their heads. And what they will understand is correct names for private body parts uh, because they see that, you know, their brother has a penis and they have a vulva and they're like, what the hell's hanging off the front of him? Right. And and boys are curious about girls. I mean, other girls are curious about other girls. You know, little kids really are like, what's happening? And what is this part of your body? And so with little ones, like talk, using the correct names for private body parts is really important. Uh, if you've been using like slang terms like hoo-ha or tinkle waggle, 
some of my favorites. Tinkle um, Waggle. Yes, Tinkle Waggle <laughs> is my total favorite. Um, Tinkle Waggle. That's got to be a boys. It's a boys part. It's the penis. <laughs> I know. I mean, somebody told me that and I was like, oh my God. And I just, we were, I was just laughing and laughing and laughing. So if you've been using like not the correct names and your kids are on like under the age of four, you can just switch and say, you know, that's actually called your penis or that's actually called your vulva. And, you know, inside a girl and woman's body, there's uh, something called the vagina and they, they won't, they'll be like, oh, okay. And with your older kids, if you haven't been been using the correct names, just say, you're old enough now to know Hmm. and say, that's, you know, not your hoo-ha or your sweetie or your cookie, like all kinds of things. Sorry. I know. Look at your, and then we're like, ah, don't say my kids. I know. I can see your eyes. Um, (laughs) So if they don't know, then they're kind of in a position where they can't accurately talk about if there's something wrong with their body, if they, you know, tell their teacher that something's up and they're like, my cookie is my cookie, my cookie. And the teacher may be like, okay, like, (laughs) what are you talking about? And then, you know, it takes longer for kids to get help if they need it. And, you know, we, we need to remember that these body parts, especially for young kids, they're just like their nose or their elbow to them. Sure, there's you know some fancy stuff that happens down there, like the penises go up and down and pee and poop and all that. But generally speaking, especially for young kids, we really want to establish like your whole body is important. Your whole body, you know, there are names for everything. You know, and we don't like if you think about it like this, we don't call our nose our smeller. <laughs> right? Or our ears are hear holes, right? We don't say stuff like that. And so with young kids, this is really the best place to start is around just get used to saying the names. And if you're not used to using the correct names, I'm sure you're occasionally by yourself or in your car alone. And then just say the words, penis, testicles, anus, vulva, vagina, clitoris, nipples, Sam. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like I'm going to picture next time I'm driving, like some parent, like a whole bunch of parents, like driving around me, like saying to themselves, like clitoris, penis, vagina. Right. That you can even pause hilarious. us and practice. So right. one other little thing I'd also like to clarify, which is one of my little soapbox moments is we are really rocking Colin girls parts vagina. Like, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I, I learned that we should, you know, like I learned the switch from like when I was young, it was called vagina, you know, you just called the whole thing, the whole area. And then, you know, I learned the switch to vulva. So yeah, tell us about that. So the deal is Oprah helped us a ton, right? Remember Thank the you, JJ? Oprah. Oh, Thank great, you, Oprah. So we actually get the word vagina out of our mouths. And like you said, vagina is only part of the scene down there. And so the whole area is called the vulva. It means covering in Latin. So basically, if you think about the labia, they cover all the other things, all the other fun parts down there, the urethra and the clitoris and the opening to the vagina. So what's more accurate is to call that area the vulva. And it's more equivalent to penis because it is hard to see a vagina. Mm-hmm. Right. It requires mm-hmm. mirrors and acrobatics and, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not right there. Contortion. Yeah, contortions. Right. So when you use the word vulva, you're like cutting edge, which is 
Oh, silly. so, yeah, so, exactly. so cool to say. I think maybe, well, maybe we should pepper our resources in as we're kind of going along because you're really making me, this book is screaming at me, which I thought was so cool for preschoolers called Who Has What? And it's just what you're talking about. I'm sure you know about Who Has What, but it's like, just has these pictures of like a boy and a girl and also a dog and also like all kinds of different people and pointing out all the different body parts with like just what you're saying, like the same equivalency, like, like, you know, there's, this is a vulva and this is an ear and this is a shoulder and, you know, it's wonderful. Yeah. It sounds really, really great. And for young kids, I think that's a really perfect book because it it doesn't talk about, you know, reproduction and private parts and like serious, you know, it doesn't add that in. Mm -hmm. Um, So the book I love for preschoolers is called, it's not the stork. And I have a bookstore on my website, birdsandbeesandkids.com, and you can poke around in there. They're all linked to Amazon, Mm. so you can read about them. And all the books I recommend for kids are sex positive, which means they present sex and sexuality as a positive and healthy part of life. And they're also comprehensive, which means the penis enters the vagina. (laughs) Like, they say that. You know, and like I said at the top, we have to, like, that's the biggest hurdle for parents. Like, if you just get that out of your mouth, you'll see that no one dies, no one throws up, you can suffer through that little, I mean, it's really a quick fate, a quick phrase. And so that book is great because it has the same kind of uh, joyful, playful vibe that Where Did I Come From has. It's got a little bird and a little bee in it. And the birds, I think the Oh, birds, we have it. We have It's Not the Stork. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, or, so oh, that's like they, they write and they do it like kind of cartoony style. And the, yeah, yeah, we've got a bunch of yeah. series. Yeah, and so the illustrations are great. Roby Harris and Michael Amberley, who wrote it, are rock stars. Her language is amazing. And it shows illustrations of kids looking at their privates and talking about them. And they're labeled and boy parts and girl parts. And it has a book on, you know, different the part on different kinds of families. And so it's really great. And it's a fun read. It's a good read. And it's really a resource that kids love. And you know how like there's a point in your child's life where they want to read the same books over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this one becomes one of those books because it's fascinating. And you know, I think that one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself and you can give your kids is to invest in some of these books about sex for kids because you're not going to know all the things. And kids like reading and it also gets the attention off you and onto a book. So if you're like, I can't believe I'm going to say this, they're not going to notice you all stressed out in your glass of wine and (laughs) your sweaty upper lip. They're going to be like, oh, interesting. And you know, that's it. And so the next book up in that series is called It's So Amazing. And for your girls who are 8 and 11, that's the place to go. That's my absolute favorite book. And it's okay to use that with younger kids. It's just got more words and they're going to not understand some of it. But the best page in the book, especially for preschoolers, is page 13. And it has women and female and male humans from like, two or three, all the way through, you know, octogenarians, naked bodies. So both male and female. And so kids love to look at that and say, oh, that's like mama. That's like grandma. That's like me. That's like my big sister. And when Milo was little, uh, he, 
he would, his friends would come over and they'd like beeline for page 13 and they'd hang around and they'd look at page 13 because they were fascinated with these different bodies. And that's a safe and healthy way for kids to learn about naked bodies. So yeah, this is awesome. I love these resources. And so we want to use the correct parts when we're talking uh, to preschoolers, you know, you're all those things. Now I've heard that, you know, we give them the information in some ways that they ask for, right? So like when my, you know, daughters asked how are babies made, then I told them at the, you know, and I didn't give them any more information than they asked for. Like if that, that answered their question, I kind of stopped. Or if, now, would you agree with that advice? Like, would you say you, you kind of follow the child's lead and kind of wait till they ask questions? Or what, what would you say to that, Amy? I would say that if you wait to ask, if you wait for them to ask questions, then mm-hmm you're making them their own sex educators. Mm. So for example, my Mm -hmm. kid did not like having sex talks with me. And he at one point told me he would never ask me or daddy a question. (laughs) Imagine my little broken sex educator heart. And so I I just have to tell you, that's how I feel with my kids about mindfulness and meditation. Like I know so many people whose kids will like sit with them and they'll do all these exercises. And my, my kids are like, Mommy, oh my God, you and the mindful parenting. <laughs> so boring. So frustrating. Sorry, so go. So don't, yeah, anyway. You're saying don't wait for your child. Because your child may never ask a question. Yeah, okay. Right? And so if they do ask a question, bonus, right? <laughs> Lucky you. And I love that you've been really direct and just answer their questions. That is the way to go. I would encourage you to answer their question and then just add a little bit more. Hmm. So maybe if they ask about how babies are made, you say the usual way is, and this isn't for kids, right? Be very clear. This isn't for kids. You need to have a grown-up body before you have sex or make a baby. And then you talk about the penis, you know, they agree to do this, penis goes in the vagina, sperm, egg, yada, yada, yada. Mm. And then you might add on, some people have trouble getting pregnant. And so the doctor can help them become pregnant by, you know, putting the sperm and the egg together outside of the woman's body, and then they put it inside the woman's body. So you just add a little more. You know, with older kids, when you're talking about, so I'm going to back up the truck. Everybody needs to know that people have sex for pleasure because it feels good to their grown-up bodies. Uh, and See, and, when you, know, you said this isn't for kids, I was like confused because I thought you meant like, what you were about to say isn't for kids, but you're saying like, tell kids that sex isn't for kids, which I never thought to think, to say, this is so brilliant. Like I kind of just assumed it. It's not something that I kind of would, thank you. So tell them that it isn't for kids and tell them it's for pleasure. Yeah. It feels good to their grown up bodies. Sex isn't for kids. It's for later in life. And, you know, one of the other things I say, it's for when, you know, your heart, mind, and your body are ready for something like this. Mm. And then you've introduced the idea that it feels good. And then, you know, really 99% of the time when we're doing it, we're trying not to make babies. Yeah. Right. And some people, when they have sex, literally cannot make babies, right? Two women, two men, no baby making. And, you know, lots of kids have two, two daddy and two mama families, and it's still, you need to start with the basic thing of the penis and vagina, and then talk about, you just say, in our family, this is how, mm-hmm. this is how you came to be. Mm-hmm. And remember, 
the kids are not as worked up about this as we are. Like we come to the party with a bunch of shame and embarrassment and our own histories. And so like we look at our kid and we're like, dear Lord, I'm not going to talk to you about sex. You're only five. And that's because we know about sex. We've had sex. And so we have this adult perspective and we forget that our kids just don't know what we know, Mm. which is lovely. Because when they're younger, you can say something and you might think you screwed it up. And then you can just say, hey, when I was talking about this, what I really meant was that. And you can just correct yourself. They're very forgiving. As they get older, they are less forgiving. (laughs) So, you know, you get in this practice. Yeah, I can't imagine now at this point when my daughter is 11 that I could go back. <laughs> like, it would be awkward to go back and say, I forgot to say. Well, obviously, she she knows that now. She's like a super smart kid and has read the books and dog-eared them and dog-eared them. But I haven't said some of these things. Now I'm feeling a little worried. <laughs> Just pick the one that's least that feels least overwhelming mm-hmm. and run with that. I mean, this is a building process. That's another reason why I want parents to talk sooner rather than later, because it's a buildup. Like you don't start with blowjobs. You don't start there. Like that's varsity level. You know, that's that you don't start there, but they got to know about that. And Mm. if they ask you and they're nine, you have to tell them because otherwise they're going to Google it. They're going to ask their friends and they might get all kinds of misinformation. And it also puts them at risk when they don't know, because if some uncle creepy says, here, give me a blowjob," And they're going to be like, what are you talking about? It's not cool. Yeah. And Sorry. Everybody breathe again. <sighs> Yeah, but this is the thing, like we have to get over our our own discomfort, right? We have to, it comes back to our mindfulness practice, kind of grounding ourselves, being able to stay non-reactive when life is challenging. And these are some of the challenging things in life to teach our children some of these things. And yeah, you saying that, (laughs) but the fear of whatever into me about thinking about having this conversation with my 11-year-old. So when they're preschoolers, we're teaching them about how things work, we're teaching them about their bodies and things like that. I remember having to come have a conversation with one child. We probably have to talk to them about like in some ways like masturbation, right? Like touching their penis and touching their vulva. I remember having to have a conversation of you know, it's totally okay to touch your vulva. It probably might, might feel really good, but you have to like, you know, you should wash your hands before you go to dinner and this should be like in your room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, what, what kind of, how do you talk to, about those kind of things? To little well, people? you did a great job. Okay. Right? So <laughs> first you. of all, bravo. Okay. So first of all, we don't want to shame our kids because it is natural for them to be curious, you know, we all know boys touch their penises and girls will find their clitoris at a really young age. And so the thing with young kids is to say exactly what you said. It's like, Hey, that's something it probably feels good. It's totally natural to do that, but it's something people do in private. So you're welcome to do that in your bedroom or the bathroom, clean hands, you know, (laughs) wash them after. And you know, that's just, so that's the rule. Right. And kids are very rules oriented. So if you say that's the rule, they, especially between about five and 10, sort of pre puberty, they will kind of, oh, that's the rule. Um, and you know, if this doesn't work with your values, 
does, you still need to be really careful about how you talk to them. And because the deal is that when we shame children, when we get all big and scary about something, what we're teaching them is that we, they can't talk to us about this, that we freak out when they talk to us about this. And as I know, you know, our kids really want us calm. Mm-hmm. And so you know, really, this is like a parenting practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it takes practice to do this parenting. <laughs> and so I just want to tag on to, you know, talking about, you know, privates and, you know, correct names for private body parts. So I use, you got to use the correct names, you got to make sure your kids know those names. And then I say privates, when I talk to children, and part of the message to them when you're talking about you know, giving the correct names is to say, just straight up, and you know, these are a private part of your body. It's not okay for anyone to touch your penis or your bottom or your, or your vulva, and it's not okay for you to touch anyone else's, and you won't be in trouble because kids can get hurt when you play this way, and you, know, you won't be in trouble, but you need to let me know to make sure you're safe and okay. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to plant that seed. So that's a sexual abuse prevention seed, right? Okay. Yeah. Right. Saying, and, saying that. So rewind again. So we're telling them they're private, they're private parts. And then we say, <laughs> just so you know, it's not okay for or safe for anyone to touch your private parts. Okay, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. not okay or safe for you to touch somebody else's private parts. You okay, can, if good. that happens, you can let me know. You won't be in trouble. I just need to make sure mm. you're safe. Okay. And there are exceptions, right? Diaper changes, visits to the doctor. When you're with your doctor, with your kid at the pediatrician's office, they need to, you just want to watch out for this, but they need to actually say to the child, may I look at your privates and get consent? Usually with young kids, they're like, fine. If there's a problem, it might be a little bit harder to work around that, but just let them know. Sometimes the doctor will need to, you know, need to look. Sometimes you might need help wiping. So there are some times, but generally speaking, no one, especially an older kid or a grown-up, should look at or touch their privates. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. 
Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, that's an important message. I mean, listener, if you're at all squeamish about talking to your kids about these things, it's completely understandable. But, you know, this conversation right here really illustrates like how important it is for us to get over ourselves, right? Like Mm -hmm. lean into the discomfort, stay calm and do our job. And our job is to keep them safe, you know? And so if one one of our jobs is to let them know it's not okay for others to look at or touch our private parts. And I think that's incredibly important. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And there's a great book and granted it was written in 1982, but and it looks like 1982. I tried to get them to update the cover and they did. But anyway, <laughs> it's not great. It doesn't look great, um, but it's wonderful. It's called It's My Body. And it's short and sweet and talks about safe touch in a non-creepy, non-threatening kind, in, in a non-threatening way. Mm-hmm. And it looks totally cheesy. So you just need to remember the book's not for you. It's for your kids. Okay. And I love it. And a lot of sexual abuse prevention books are really creepy. And like they squig me out and like, this is part, like, this is my job. You know? Like if so, if you got a sexual abuse book, prevention book for kids, that's making the sex educator uncomfortable, it's probably not good. Mm. <laughs> um, so in part so, of this. And I just want to jump in here with the, the difficult question because, you know, we do need to be reminded probably that like these are kid messages our kids need, not because there are creepy predators like that are generally kind of out on the street ready to jump them because that's incredibly, incredibly unlikely. You'd kind of have to wait 60 million years for that to happen. But because in general, the statistics show these people are people we know. Yep. Yep. By and large, they're people we know. Uh, They tend to be family members, uh, coaches, teachers, childcare workers, Catholic priests, (laughs) Um, you know, um, people who are lay ministers, people, lots of kids, sorry, I mean, it's hard, but kids who go to churches and have big church schools and that kind of thing, there, that is an active place that usually men will access kids. And, you know, people get mad because like I talk about uncle creepy and I don't talk about aunt creepy, aunt Creepy's out there, but uncle creepy is way more likely to be, um, you know, abusing your child. And, you know, this is super hard to talk and think about. There's a great book called Protecting the Gift by Gavin De Becker that really helps with this understanding how to protect your kids and yourself. And it's not creepy. It's not scary. It's really practical. Okay. <laughs> Amy's rules for reading about this stuff. Not so, creepy, not scary, really practical. All these yeah. resources so far have been, because I'm familiar with the other ones. Not creepy, not scary, very fun. Actually, it's so amazing. It's super fun. Yeah, it is super fun. So 
don't be afraid to have these conversations that really are protective to your child. And again, remember they're young. They don't know the backstory, right? They don't know the backstory. And what they need to know is about safe touch. And they need to know when to let you know there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And when we frame this around safety and body safety in general, it's easier on them. It's easier on us. There's another really good resource. It's uh, safelyeverafter.com. And Mm -hmm. they have a download that's uh, the Super 10 Rules for Safety. And it's great. It's really, really great. And it's about body safety. And it's not creepy. It's not scary. And it's something you can just read with your kids. Like I had it in the back seat of my car and I'd be like, Milo, read number eight and let's talk about it. And so he'd read and we'd talk about it. Did you use your car rides to talk to him about uncomfortable things? Because my mother did that. (laughs) All the time. Yeah, regularly. Like don't abuse the car privilege. I had one mom say to me, Amy, I've been using the car thing. And now my kids, they're like, we get to the car and we're like, no sex talks, no sex talks. So use it judiciously. You know, one of the, especially with older kids, like by the time they are like eight, nine, 10, they're grossed out by this and they really shut us down and shut us out. And that doesn't, mean, yeah, I know you're right in the thick, right? That does not mean you're like, oh good, phew, I'm off the hook. Uh, that means you have to be sneakier about how you talk to them. Yeah. And you still have to do it. And the nice thing is, you know, we have all this sexual media and all this crap going on in the world. So there's always a thing to talk about. You can say, Hey, I heard this thing on the radio today and it was about whatever. And you know, this, if this should happen to you, this is what I think, or it could be anything like it could be about birth control restriction, or it could be about, you know, Oh, they're talking about sex ed. Hey, have you done sex ed in school? What'd you think of it? This is what's going to come along. So you can talk about things from the media. They generally don't know what's happening. Like, yeah, we're just having a conversation. And I just talked to you about the importance of using condoms every time you have sex for the first, you know, for the first year of your relationship, right? They're not going to see what's happening. And another trick, especially with boys, is they do not like to look you right in the face, eye to eye. Mm -hmm. They do much better with a side to side conversation. And Mm -hmm. everybody does better when you're talking about it, when you're doing something else. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody. You do better, they do better. Yeah. Go for a walk. I always have the best conversations with my kids going for a walk. They're, they're pretty good at that, but I don't want to make them averse to going for a walk with me. (laughs) I will not walk with you. (laughs) So as our kids are getting older, as our kids are turning eight and nine and, and what kind of conversations should we be having at that point? Eight and nine are the best time to kind of switch the conversation a little bit and start talking about puberty. It's Mm -hmm. fine to talk about it sooner. Girls are starting puberty as young as eight now. It has to do with a variety of factors, uh, mostly because we're fatter. And so estrogen progesterone production happens sooner. When you have a girl who's starting puberty and a boy too, but more for girls, because you know, we bleed, you need to talk, you need to talk sooner rather than later. So they're really ready to like, you're going to bleed once a month. You know, yeah. it's not great, <laughs> but it's part of your body. It's a natural part of your body. And I want you to be ready for it, right? And so they do better when they know what's coming. Do you think it's a good idea for us to be kind of talking about it from time to time when we have our cycle to yeah. say, I have my cycle, this is what's going on kind of thing? 
Yeah, yeah okay, it's important because it's right. like this is part of being this is part of women's life and you're going to have this happen to you. Boys need to know too. Uh, when Milo was, I mean, we're like, I'm a naked family. Nobody else is a naked family in my family anymore. But when Milo was really little and I would just go pee in front of him and stuff, one time he was in the bathtub and I had my period. And some people are going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe you did this. But I, I was you hippie. You hippie. I hippie. <laughs> hey, I was born and raised in Ashland, Oregon, which is a mecca of hippies. It's like Asheville, North Carolina. Um, something about the ash. Um, so I was changing my tampon and he's like, what's that? And I said, oh, it's a tampon. It goes in my vagina and catches the blood from my period. Now he'd heard all those words. Did he really know what they meant? I don't think so. And then I'm like, watch this. And I chucked a couple in the bathtub with them. And I said, see how they get big? That's oh, what happens. Clean, clean ones. Clean ones. Oh, clean ones. God, I'm so horrified for a second. Oh my God, Amy. <laughs> clean ones. Clean ones. Clean okay. ones. I tossed them in the bathtub with them and he saw them get all swollen up. And I said, that's how it catches the blood inside my body. Oh. Moving right along. Right. And so, you know, that's oh. my family that's my, that was my choice. But again, kids, little kids don't know there's anything yucky, bad, embarrassing, or shameful. And changing your tampon in front of your kid is not for everyone. And I didn't do it very, very often. It was just, you know, one of those times. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you have to decide for your family, like, what are your values about this? What are you going to do? How are you going to talk about this? And if you're parenting with someone, this can be a really entertaining and challenging conversation because your yeah. values might be different. Like you might be a wait until marriage person and your partner may be like, no, you know, test drive a car before you buy it. And like, how are you going to come to terms with that? And, you know, at the end of the day, nobody wants their child to have a teen pregnancy and to be involved in one. Everybody wants their child to skip having sexually transmitted infections, including HIV. Everyone wants their kid to feel good about their relationships and understand what a healthy relationship looks like. So those pieces in place. And then the timing piece, you know, it's okay to say, I think you should wait until you're married. And it's okay for your partner to say, I don't. Your kid's going to do what they're going to do. They all have sex by age. I can't remember the age. It's young. Like by 20, everyone, pretty much everyone's done the deed or 21. Everyone's done it. And so your choice is to help them make, do it safely or good luck out there. Yeah. Yeah. They need to know that we are a resource, that we have their back, that we're on their team. And we're, yeah, I mean, that's what the meaning of the word discipline is, is to teach. Yes. It's like we were just, just talking about that in a podcast recently. It's like to dis discipline is to teach. And we have to think of ourselves as mentors and teachers. And they don't know this stuff. You know, a lot of stuff, we don't teach them where they're going to get the information and all kinds of crazy places. So we have to step up and to and to have these conversations and teach them. This has been so so valuable, Amy. Oh my gosh, I think this is amazing. Probably we, we could probably have you on and have a whole other conversation, have all kinds of other things. So we'll have links to um, these resources and at mindfulmamapodcast.com. Wow, this is amazing. I feel like this must be like kind of a mission for you. Like this is like, this is sort of a way you're like kind of fulfilling your mission in the world is to do this good work in the world. Yeah. I mean, this is what I was put on the planet to do. And my actual real mission, like why I do what I do is I want every child to grow up to be a whole, healthy, happy adult. Yeah. And sexuality is fundamental to being a whole, healthy, happy adult. And, you know, I'm not in it for the parents. 
<laughs> yeah. You're my vehicle, right? You're my vehicle, right? We're, we're, um, this parent is going to be having a glass of wine later and getting over the squeamishness. <laughs> and <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, I have to have a glass of wine before sometimes I have to talk to Milo. He's like, like, don't talk to me still to a degree, but he's better. And so it always, t- even me, I know all the words, I, even I have to work up for it. Even I have to um, yeah. amp, amp up for it. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, if you think I'm insane, you know, like, but there's something in our conversation right now that you can pull out and put to work right away. And you'd be surprised You'd be surprised at how open kids are to this information and how ready and willing they are to take it in. And the other thing you'd be surprised about is how much they know. And you started out by saying that they have so much more information in third grade than we ever, ever did. And we have to be mindful of that because, you know, our kids' health and safety are on the line. Oh my God, Amy, right after this, I'm going to be going to pick up the girls in the car, which I almost never do. I usually walk them home from the bus stop, but I, you know, it's going to be on my mind as I'm driving. I'm going to be like, do I say something? I don't know. We'll see there. They'll be together. So that'll be my out if I need one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you could just, just say to them, I interviewed this woman today. You're not going to believe what she does. She helps parents talk with their kids about sex. What do you think? And they'll be like, gross, whatever. And then you say, I know, but it just reminded me, you're getting older. We need to have more conversations. And then don't say another word. Oh, I love that, Amy. I'm so using that. You're brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to the Mindful Mama. you know, group about this. This is, this is really, really helpful. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the work you're doing to bring this into the world. I love it. One more time. How can people find out about you and and what you have and the resources you have? My website is birdsandbeesandkids.com. There's a ton of stuff there. There's a resources page. There's books. There's all my courses I offer. I have an online course. And then I just have a baby podcast and it's called I know it's called just say this and it's Q and a style. So parents can call in and leave me a voicemail and ask their question. And then I answer them on the show. And the other thing I do on the show is I also need people's funny sex talk stories (laughs) End with those. So I'm kind of, I need those. And if you're interested, the number is 206-926-1522. And it's super fun, as I know you know. And so I'm really excited about that. So website and podcast, Just Say This, the place to go to get, to get more of me. That is so cool. I'm so going to check that out and leave you an iTunes review or Ooh. Apple Podcasts. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you again, Amy. This has been so fun. I'm so glad we got to connect. I knew you had such a great energy when I met you in person. And then I found out you talked about sex. And I was like, oh, my prayers have been answered for someone to talk to on the podcast about this. So I really, really appreciate your time in talking to me today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I appreciate you helping me get my message out to the masses. Thank you so much for listening to the mindful mama podcast. Wasn't this an eye opening conversation? I was like, I walked away from talking to Amy like, oh my gosh, just eyes wide open now. So if you want to 
get into a conversation about this podcast and you want to talk to me about it, a really wonderful way to do that is that in the Mindful Mama tribe, we have a private Facebook group. And I post each episode in the Facebook group and you can find that episode and start the conversation about it. And I love to talk to you about the podcast. And, um, you know, when you head over, you can find that group by heading over to mindfulmamamentor.com. And I think it's on the about page and I think it's on the main page. And when you sign up for the newsletter, you get an invitation to join the Facebook group. So I hope you'll join join that Facebook group. The Mindful Mama Tribe now is amazing, growing group of strong, amazing parents. We are 20,000 strong now. Really amazing. I'm feeling super excited. We're going on almost 300,000 downloads of the podcast. So thank you so much for your support. If you want to share the podcast with a friend, it's great. You can take a screenshot on your phone and say, hey, check out what I'm listening to. You can um, leave a review on Apple Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher, wherever you listen. And those are really great ways to support, too. So I hope that you have a beautiful week. And I'm wishing you peace. I'm wishing you some bravery, maybe to have some difficult conversations. And then I'm wishing you some joy and leaning into those beautiful smiles. All right. Have a great week. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for all of your life? I'm a mom who has gone from really being stressed and yelling when my kids were young to having a more grounded, more at ease relationship with life and having more enjoyable, cooperative relationships with my kids. And I've shown hundreds and thousands of women around the world how to do this. And I want to show you how to do it too. So if you are currently feeling stuck or stagnant, this is definitely for you. I've created a free downloadable audible training, Mindfulness for Moms, the superpower you need. And it will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids for a lifetime. To get on on this audio training absolutely free, simply visit the website www.mindfulmomguide.com. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.